and welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is it is is titled "Somebody Get Me to Dance." It is from the album "Somebody Had to," and it is by Phones with Chords. And my guest today is the person, the man, the individual who is Phones with Chords, Arthur Alley Good. And this is a great episode. And this album will come out July 14th, 2023. You could pre-order it, as I have already done, in Phones with Chords Bandcamp. That link is in the show notes. Also, check out his first album, Cut the Kid, which is great. I discovered Arthur and Phones with Chords by simply, he liked a tweet of mine, and I often like to see who is liking or following me. I don't you know, because sometimes it's a weirdo and I have to block him. And I noticed it was uh, this fella's band, and I went to the Bandcamp link, and I listened to the song, or the album, Cut the Kid, and I immediately was like, this is fucking good. And I tweeted at him, or t- DM'd him on Twitter, and said, hey, that album's real fucking good. And then we just started talking, and I asked him to be on the podcast. And he, when when he, when this album was coming close to coming out, so here we are with Arthur Alleygood as my guest, and it's a great conversation. I think you'll like it. All links to phones with chords are in the show notes, as well as he had a, a solo career prior to that, and as just his name, Arthur Alleygood, and I linked that Bandcamp as well. It's a lot of this guy's created a lot of good music, and I was quite honestly shocked I had not heard of Phones with Chords because Cut the Kid is like right up my alley. And uh, we get into all of this how it came about. It's a very, uh, it's a great story. And for anybody who has struggled as an artist and trying to, you know, the doubt and the weird industry and all that fucking bullshit that goes on with this fucking life of creativity. It's an, an affirming one, and just sort of, well, I'll let you listen to it, and you can enjoy it. Uh, there is a part two to this episode. It lives on my Patreon. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, $5 a month, you can go to themattdwire.com, become a Patreon subscriber. Also at the website, there's you could click on the episodes, and you could I have like 460 episodes now, and uh, I had a little wheeze in my inhale there. hope you enjoyed that. Uh you could peruse my past guests and listen to my vast library of many episodes. God, I've had so many people on this show. Many I love, some I really like. A couple I'm like, hey, what's up with you? But uh, also, and if you need a website, you can go to kellyardwire.com. That, show link, that link is in my show notes, and she can build you a website. She does, my partner does all kinds of fancy websites, including mine. But the fancier ones, she gets paid for, so it's better. Than my, they're better than mine, because why? Why should your husband have a good website? Actually, it's a great website. I just don't. I don't really need that much. And also, something to be excited about. You should be excited about. I'm excited about. I'm going to be writing, publishing a blog soon, probably on Substack. So keep a lookout for that. My history is uh, an interesting one. I, as a teen, I was hanging around Second City and was around fucking like Chris Farley and all these magnificent people and living a weird, bizarre life at the age of 16. And I'm going to be writing about that and putting that on a sub stack. So please follow me on social media and 
get to that. Enjoy that. And that is it for my intro. Please uh, pre-order this album. July 14th, I believe I said. It's in the show notes. As also, you could buy a cassette of the, the album on Z-Tapes. All these links are in the show notes. Please enjoy my conversation with Arthur Alleygood of Phones with Chords. Do you have a lot of records? I have, um, I had a, I have a lot of n- like dumb Goodwill <laughs> finds that like, I'm really into kind of this, um, going to Goodwill and finding, especially where I live, you can find a lot of like obscure country and a lot of old gospel. Oh, that's cool. Like just, and I really, <laughs> If I'm honest, it's really just for the album covers. Um, because some of these old gospel like album covers are some of the most ridiculous things you've ever seen in your life. And they're amazing. I just love them. So I've listened to a lot of the music, but I'm really just going for like, dude, I have this one. It's, it's this it's mother and daughter duo. They're They're wearing like matching dress like like these 70s dresses and they both have beehives and they're you know and it it is just amazing it's like i don't need to hear the music i just want to look at this photo all day i would buy (laughs) i've almost done the same thing where i just buy records for the cover just because like yeah and sometimes you get like i've purchased like a hawaiian compilation and like oh yeah or tango or something and they're you sometimes they're surprisingly good yeah. Yeah. These gospel records are really hit and hit and miss, like hit or miss there. I mean, they're just like some of them are like, Oh, this is cool. You know, but it's like, then I try to look them up online and there's nothing about, they're not obviously not on streaming or any of that. So it's like, these people just created this thing and it was out in the world for a little bit. And now it's just gone. And there's just, I mean, besides me having the artifact from that I picked up at Goodwill, there's no really record that it existed, you know? And it's, I don't know, that's fascinating to me because you think about music now, it's like even bands that you listen to in like middle school, you can still find, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's Some, crazy that things can still disappear. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I've found stuff on YouTube, like somebody will just, you know, those, yeah. which is... I love going down those wormholes. Yeah. Makes me wonder if like, uh, they were like some huckster out there who's like, let's put out your gospel album. It'll only cost you $2,000. Like that kind of, (laughs) somebody just tipped me to that whole scam that happened. I think in the eighties or nineties where they were like, send us your demo. And, and then they'd be like, this is great, but we need a thousand dollars to make it. (laughs) And there's like a whole, world of it i guess that a lot of it lives i forget what it's called but i was like that's fascinating yeah. to me yeah i in 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 a different probably in a different way here in you know like i live like about an hour outside of nashville and i i know in some ways that kind of still happens i mean it's different but it's like I'll see these advertisements sometimes about like 
you got demos, send us your songs and we'll pitch them to whatever. And and then you end up, it end up, ends up being like, however, you know, amount of money to get your songs pitched. And I'm like, is anything even happening here? Besides, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I don't know. Like the idea that you're just sitting in your like voice memo demo and they're pitching that to people. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't, what also fascinates me about that scenario is the person who falls for it. Like, I'm like, are we still this naive as a culture? Like every time I get like some kind of thing of like, be careful of giving your social security number out. I'm like, who fucking does that still? (laughs) Like, have we not learned not to put ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in the country, country industry, there's a lot more like, song the idea of pitching songs and i I know i mean other genres that that happens too but it's very song centric in country and so i mean you can still go to the bluebird and and on a tuesday night and there are people that have literally just rolled into town and they they're playing the open mic and it's just like that kind of like lore and um, tradition is, is still there. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like you know, people move to town to make it big, and I mean, I know that happens in other cities, but it's it still just fascinates me. You know, it is, and there is a thin line of we're all a bit delusional, but we're also yeah. like like why not them and mm-hmm. why? I mean, you all as a I'm yeah. sure like you've been through it where you lie to yourself or you have to, to mm-hmm. so you don't I don't know drive your car into a brick wall <laughs> yeah 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 I mean I like like after I started playing like guitar and writing songs like I mean this is like when I was like 19 like it, it was just programmed in me after talking to people just go okay so I have to start playing these open mics and and so I started doing it and Man, it was like I'm glad I did it, um, but yeah, I, I would never want to return to that. Like it's it's kind of a very lonely um, kind of exercise, and I, I I don't know. I I think about it kind of like I think about like stand up comedians, like kind of going in and and starting out and doing doing the other mics and putting in their time, like. I mean, it's brutal. I mean, it's necessary, but it's, and it's, it's just really tough. Cause it's just, it's just a bunch of people just like you that are trying to do it. And it's just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've done stand up open mics, so I know exactly. Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. I, and I, I mean that, you're performing. Everybody's looking in their notebook, yeah. just concerned with what they're going to do. They're, no one's fucking paying mm-hmm. attention. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you hear a laugh and you're like, oh, that was somebody in a conversation. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> do you claim that laugh or do you just kind of like... Whatever it takes, uh, man, man, to keep you from your soul from absolutely falling from your being. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is a total tangent, but I'm I'm watching this this last season of uh, Miss Maisel. I don't know if you watched that show. I saw I've seen some of it, I but I I am slightly aware of it. Okay, well there there's there's a scene last night when it was 
basically she was, she was, it's kind of like what you're saying. Like she was saying that the, the only laugh that really matters is the laugh that you get after the punchline. If you mess up the punchline and then like, um, you know, quick on your feet, like make another joke. That's not the real laugh. The real laugh is the joke that you've set up and what happens after the punchline. And that, it got me thinking about that. Like, I don't know if I totally agree with that. I don't know if um, I do either. Yeah. Because it's creating in the moment and it's like, it's working with, you know, there's an element of improvisation yeah. and all performances I think are, yeah. Have to give into the moment, not the scripted books. Yeah. Thing. That seems yeah, to me about, a, yeah, that just seems to me somebody writing about comedy who doesn't necessarily understand comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's such a like strict purist um, viewpoint. And I just thought, man, like, so that's the only laugh that matters. I just kind of really messed with my head. I was like, that's because to me, I see the art of, you know, flubbing the, the punchline and then being able to, like you're saying in the moment, like turn it into something good. Like that seems to me to be like require a lot of talent. And, um, as opposed to just, okay, I've set by myself, I wrote these jokes and now I will, I will do them in front of others. And then I will get that immediate laugh. Like, I don't know. It seems to be an art form in both. Yeah. And like, it sort of performance, I think, in general, like an error or a mistake mm-hmm. or some kind of moment can be a, a total mm-hmm. gift that sends you into a different direction. And like, why, I don't know, yeah. why limit yourself to such a narrow form of thinking? Even painters would say that about like, if you make a mistake, maybe it's a gift. Like, don't yeah. toss out the whole fucking canvas. <laughs> I know. I know. I like, I mean, if I didn't keep mistakes with like songwriting or, or, if it was just like, like very, you know, taking that view, that view and applying it to songwriting, like I would never like the, the discoveries are in the mistakes and in the, Oh, I wasn't going to go to that core, but I, I did it that one time. And that was, that was really nice. You know, it's, it's, if it was just, okay, I'm going to do, you know, I write out the chord structure and everything on paper and I stick to that no matter what. God, that feels so lifeless. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I just, like, I don't know. Then you, to limit your scope of thinking about anything creative, it's just, it's like, you know, like raising your kids. It's like, you're going to be this way and that's it. That's (laughs) it. Don't, don't be yourself. Be this way. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Did you? So I have. Oh, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to ask. Go ahead. (laughs) You go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm bad at really bad at like, yeah, I'm, I'm bad at this. Um, yeah. So my I, example of that, I have three daughters and they're next year. They were all, they will all be in high school and two of them are twins. And it's so weird. Like the twins have kind of done this like switcheroo where one twin is kind of like, becoming what we thought the other twin was. And it's just a weird thing. And I was just like, like watching them as kids, just thinking, Oh, we, we know who these 
we we know who they are. You know, they're they have this personality and this, and then just to see this kind of like switch kind of thing. It's it's just been really eye opening. I'm just really fascinated by it because it's like now the other twin is just like the chill one, and she used to be the like the super high maintenance one, and so it's just like. This is like we were joking the other day. Did they like pull one over on us? Is this like some kind of like <laughs> game that they're playing? <laughs> I, I, cause yeah. I have two daughters as well, three and seven. Oh, okay. I look at that and I'm like, yeah. my seven year old is very specific, like sweet, but I'm like, this could all turn Yeah. because I see, yeah. I see seedlings of like where she's attracted to sort of gothish characters like Wednesday Adams or yeah. other characters yeah. like, or, in play, she'll sometimes play the more rebellious person, though she's not that. And I'm like, oh, because I kind of did that. So I'm like, oh, you're yeah. te- ex- sort of exploring possibilities of who, what direction you want to go in. And I'm like, who knows what the fuck? And then you throw booze yeah. or whatever they started fucking with <laughs> when they get older. Who knows what direction yeah. or, or books or yeah. that's why you got to ban books. That's why, you know, you don't want your kids oh, to have God. think for themselves. <laughs> don't get me started. I will just, I need to state for the record that I'm ashamed of my state in so many ways. That's so funny because I'm ashamed I, of my country. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah it, ex- it extends that far for me as well. Um, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just so sick of it. I, a lot of times, I'm just, I don't want to like look away and you know put my fingers in my ears, but just sometimes for my sanity, I, I got to step away because I just. It's just infuriating. Do you think and it's mostly I, it's mostly yeah. the politicians, or do you, or is the because I feel like with trans and yeah. drag, yes. like, I don't think like suddenly like why is drag suddenly an issue? Like fucking, did they not see the movie with Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis? <laughs> like why? It's like such a created, but I'm so I can't believe yeah. like Gary down the street is like that upset about fucking drag queens. Yeah, I, I I I do put it squarely on the politicians. And I think it's just a, and I hate to kind of talk about it like this way, but like you know, in former you know twenty thirty years ago, it was the gay agenda. Yeah, and now it's you know, uh, and now it is the it's like we've exchanged their, whatever their idea was for the gay agenda to now it's the trans agenda. And gosh, it's like, I feel like every uh, GOP lawmaker is required to say woke about every two or three times, you know, I mean, uh, in in every sentence, I mean, it's just like, it's just like the go-to thing. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't really think the heart of, I think most people don't give a shit about, like, they just don't, like, they're not really, like, especially after our, the school shooting that we've just had, like, like drag shows is not, you know, at the top of our list of things that we're concerned about. And, so I, I don't know. Like I, I know my, my friend base and my, you know, the community that I know around here and 
I don't, yeah, I mean, I know there are people out there that, that hate it and, and want to ban all this stuff, but I just, I don't know. I, it just feels like a very um, select few that make the laws that, I don't know, it's, maybe they've got to, con- go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it seems like think tank, like like Coke brother, think tank talking points yeah. that are created, and if they just keep hammering it, because I'm first of all I'm like woke. Yeah, that's like fucking. That's all. Like no one, no one on the left is like woke. Got to be woke. Like that's <laughs> like I think that's terminology yeah. is like gone. And so every time I hear that, I'm like, are you, not that the mindset or the thought process of being like yeah. accepting and all that is gone, but I feel like you're grabbing onto something that's already like yeah. not present. <laughs> and it, by the time it got to white people, it had already passed. Yeah. It already had changed. Like it's like gone through these cycles of, unless I'm misunderstanding anything, but I feel like I'm no. fairly correct. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's just, I don't know. Like, I mean, um, it's just, I mean, I, I think about like Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like that. I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I just literally do not understand how you could think that that, you know, I, I just don't get it. Plus they already um, lost. I, I mean, I, like with the gay agenda. Yeah, and like, I feel I like, know. I feel like they know that the clock is ticking on their, yes. and, I mean, I worry about what goes on in the courts and like that. Yes. But I, yes. I, I like they're forcing, they know they lost the argument. They know nobody's the mm. vast majority of people. Cause it's like DeSantis with his gay anti-gay agenda. It's like, dude, do you know how many people have gave it's not like 1950 where like, you know, somebody's sucking dick in the closet because they don't want their wife to know. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's everyone's out. Yeah. And like, it's like this, this roadmap failed once. So what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Man, I'm just, I'm, I'm at a loss, dude. I just kind of like, I don't know. I just want to, you know, like, I was just so proud of, uh, Justin Jones and the um, the other amazing. team members of the Tennessee Three, just so amazing. And I, I, um, my uh, my wife, like during COVID, Justin was very involved um, in some protests that were happening um, at the uh, courthouse in Nashville, and so that's how like we like. Justin came on the scene then and just like, I think he ended up getting arrested and they they ended up passing legislation that they couldn't protest some stupid thing. Anyway, so that's how we kind of like stumbled upon him and we were just blown away then and to, you know, and then he, he ran and got elected and we were just so happy to have him there. And to me, it makes all like, like the dude's just trajectory is just, I just think, man, he's just such a, such a light in the darkness and we need voices like that. And just couldn't be prouder of that, that guy. That's the other thing. It's like, so. congratulations, GOP. You just made those people heroes. You just gave them a yeah. bigger platform, which is like, <sighs> that's like just, if they would have shut yeah. their mouths and just let it pass, 
Yeah. But they're stupid. I know. And, and like, <laughs> they really, I mean, it just really is. And I just, you think they would learn from history. Like if you, you know, I mean, and the whole thing with the Bible and all that, it's just like, do you not remember what happened when, you know, they decided to outlaw Christianity, you know, early on and, you know, all like it fueled the movement. It didn't snuff it out. So why, why do you think that you're going to pass some law or do whatever? And then you're just somehow going to end this. It's like exactly what you're saying. It's, it's becoming fuel for the fire. And you're just, you're, you're basically just making these people, you know, celebrities and, and, um, leaders in trying to oppose something. And I just, I don't know, but they, the, the lessons never seem to seem to happen. So, anyway. so you write songs. I do. Yeah. Sorry. We, man, we, we've no, got, this, we got everything. So. This is what I like. I like it when it goes like this, this is 100% what oh, I prefer, but I was, I was just awesome. But, and I've, you know, I, it didn't even dawn on me that I was like, oh, you're from, Te-, like, until you said you're from Tennessee, I'm like, oh, I didn't even think of that before we yeah. went into this. So I was glad we went to that because it's, yeah. it's obviously on everyone's mind. It's on my mind or anybody who has a mind, mind. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I was curious because you yes. did, did you go to the Blue Jay when you were like young and was that a, because th- I've been there, but I'm that, that culture fascinates me. And I was wondering if that is how you got going. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'll be, um, 44 in uh, May. And so, yeah, when I was in my twenties, early twenties, I started writing songs kind of late high school. And then I was just like, okay, I, you know, I want to write songs. And so I, people were like, well, why don't you go start playing these open mics? And so, yeah, I started doing that. Um, and it, I didn't do it long. I'm glad that I did it. Uh, some of the places that I played at don't exist anymore, but, uh, obviously Bluebird is still, still there. Um, but yeah, I started doing that and then I had kind of like a career off and on, just under my name. My name's Arthur Alligood. And so I kind of did like Americana folksy music, a little kind of like gospel root stuff. Um, and I did that for years. Um, and it's some points of that I was like touring and, and really like doing it full time. And then other points of that, I was just kind of like, you know, when obviously when, kids come along, it changes stuff. Um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of how I started out. I mean, minus like growing up in the South and basically you, the first time you play in front of anyone usually in the South is, is in the church. So that was, that was the same for me. Uh, but yeah, that's how it happened. Uh, I was interested. There was two things I was interested in. One that, uh, that it, yeah. I know that, I did the same thing as you because I know you had kids and then you're like, all right, I got to make a shift here because I was working in creative things and then I had a kid and it was like, I was like, I got, there was that, that voice where you're like, I got to be responsible and do these things. And then I took a corporate job, wanted to hang myself Mm -hmm. because it was a corporate job. 
But and then and, and I I like did and I, maybe you did or did not do this, but I kind of abandoned my everything creative and mm-hmm. just was like, okay, I guess I'm I guess this is who I am now. Like I almost had an yeah. identity crisis. Did you sort of go down that same road? I did. I um I went through a divorce and so that was like a big wake up call for me. Um, because it, it was weird. It was like the height of my career, so to speak. Like I, I won the songwriting contest and like, I got, I like, I made a record in LA and all this different th- things. And at the height of that, like creatively and, and just career wise was also becoming the lowest point of my personal life. So um, so for years after, like when, once I went through the divorce and everything, I, I was trying to figure out what my relationship was to music. I was trying to go, okay, all right. I love to do this. I feel like this is in me, but why, like, what do I need to do with this? Like I, it's obviously I can't tour and all that. So I, in 2012, I just decided, okay, I, I cannot tour anymore. I can't do this. And so. I ended up going back to school and getting my degree and I actually teach now. Um, and that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, but slowly as I, you know, kind of got settled in like a new vocation, I came back to music and I was, I've been since trying to kind of figure out, okay, what role does this play in my life? Um, and w- what capacity do I want to do this? And I think I'm right now, I'm in this place where I, I'm really, I was telling a friend the other day, I feel like I'm in a sweet spot where I can, you know, provide and, you know, pay the bills and all that. And then doing home recording and stuff, I can still kind of scratch that itch. And I feel, I don't know, it feels like a really, really sweet spot to be in. And I don't, I do not miss touring. Uh, really at all <laughs> I, I've, I've worked the road as well and like especially yeah. once I had kids I was like I could not imagine just sleeping in some shitty motel and yeah. you know eating the fucking chicken wings that the venue has or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think my I kind of have a five year plan once my kids get out of high school that like my wife's like finishing her degree and stuff and she, like we're just like we want to travel and stuff and I, it's really funny the only motivation that I have to tour is if we're like oh it can take us to this place or you know like oh we can do a road trip and go to this place we've always wanted to go to and I'm like oh, okay suddenly I'm motivated to play out now <laughs> but when I think about just booking a tour just uh, for the sake of playing live music I'm it's it's not really a passion of mine. And I, I think it's because I'm not I'm not a natural performer. Like performing doesn't do something for me. Like it doesn't feel a need for me. It's it kinda is uh it's kinda draining for me. And so I think maybe I'll return to some of that. Yeah, I'll return to that at some point. But right now I'm just kinda like I can't like with soccer and all the other crap that we've got going on. It's like, I don't want to go play a show. <laughs> That's, no? Even like local yeah. shows when I was, <clears throat> I was like, I don't yeah. want to leave my house after dinner and like be up and like, 
especially like comedy shows. It's like, you know, I'm going to drive 30 minutes yeah. for sit around for two hours to do seven to 10 minutes yeah. to drive home 30. Like I was just like, fuck this. Yeah. I could be in bed with yeah. a book for fuck's sake. <laughs> I yeah. I think I, I wish I would have learned. And I think maybe technology is kind of, I mean, it's so good now with recording, but like, I wish I would have spent time in my twenties, like figuring out how to record myself. Um, you know, like just kind of put myself through a little like school of recording. Cause I, up to this point, I've just kind of like written the songs and then you get the producer and you get the band and all that. And you, you, you do it that way. And there's, I, that's wonderful if you have the the means to do it, but man, I just don't like have a bunch of extra money sitting around to make a record. And especially in this town, it is like expensive to do, to do that. And people kind of like, kind of whether they say it or not, it's kind of like this understanding, this is how you have to do it. And I think starting this new project for me, this phones with chords project, it's just like, I'm done. I'm done doing it how they've told me to do it. I'm done going into debt or doing some <laughs> Kickstarter or all that shit. I'm just done. I think that, um, personally, yeah. I think that's the best. Because I'm sort of at the same, that why I left Los Angeles is it's just like, I'm yeah. fucking done with some fucking jackass behind a desk who went to law school who's never had a creative yeah. moment in his life telling me what the fuck is good yeah. and what is bad it's like who the fuck are you like forgive my yeah. passion here no. but i'm like i'm just like but but like i would be there in these meetings yeah. and i would be like well okay well they're on that side of the desk so they obviously know what they're talking yeah. about but it's like they're all fucking yeah. frauds <laughs> yeah and there's a reason why yeah. the vast majority of everything is just overly produced and written. And most things that go, come out of Hollywood are, I'm just like, Bleh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I have a hard time now, like, like connecting with certain types of music that I used to love. Um, and maybe it's because I know, you know, it's like the, and knowing how the sausage is made or whatever, you know, I'm just like, like a lot of times I hear records and I'm like, I would love to just hear this with like the writer and maybe like two or three piece bands and, you know, and just like off the cuff, I would love to hear these songs like that. Yeah. But then a lot of times it just, by the end, by the end, after they put it through all the, filters of what's going to sell or whatever you know it's just like this feels lifeless and these are actually good songs but i can't it's why it should be hard for me to get at those songs why does it feel like it, i don't know i, I hate that crap <laughs> i always I just, find, yeah, yeah <clears throat> i find myself always being drawn more to like raw even like you hear demos and you're like why did did you just not do it that way or like more raw yeah. I, I don't know authentic i didn't want to use that word but yeah. i don't just like a, honest yeah. to what it is opposed to being like mm. like you said well we got to put the filter and then let's put this and that on it and it's like why why yeah. who fucking no and i feel like 
same with like television and film. It's like we've people are fed this stuff so much that they yeah. they don't they can't see anymore of what they're supposed to like, or they, the waters are too murky or whatever the phrase here works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so, and I think I mean it's kind of like growing up on radio. I mean, I I mean I late nineties heyday, you know, like of, I remember, I mean, that was my high school, you know, so like, I remember like the only thing that we knew was whatever, whatever single was coming on the radio and, and then whatever BMG CDs that we could get. <laughs> Do you remember BMG? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I ordered so, I got so many CDs. I never paid a dime from that thing. Yeah. I'm a little older than you, so I would do the whatever the Columbia Record Club thing. Yes, and I would. Yeah, and like back then they didn't. I don't think they had computers, so I'd like just use total bullshit. And my mom would be like, "Why are all these records showing up?" <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like a. Um, it was like this little moment right before you know, like. I remember, like, I graduated in 97, and, I mean, obviously, we're we're probably later than other areas, but we had just got our first computer lab at my high school, and the internet, I was like, what is this, you know, like, and, um, yeah, but I just remember, like, barring, you know, before that, you were, like, barring CDs and you know, and it was in the, in the big jacket, you know, with all your CDs in them and all that. And it just, yeah, it was crazy. And I, I've gone back and listened to a lot of those records that I only knew one song from. And sometimes I'm like, well, this whole album's good. And then sometimes I'm like, how did even that one song get on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's just like, it, it was just kind of bizarre at that moment. But I, um, and then now, I mean, you know, moving up to now, it's just like, what is, I mean, I can listen to anything at any moment. I can find anything I want. The world's at my fingertips. And I don't know. I see the pros and cons of it. But yeah, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think about, like, where we are in music? Or do you think about that? <laughs> I do think about it. I mean, I spend a lot of my time. I wish I could play music. I play yeah. the drums poorly, very poorly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. I feel like, or maybe it, this is naive, wishful thinking, but I feel like we're in about to have it like a shift because I feel like mm -hmm. all everything has been so corporatized and down, right down to the yeah. venues being owned by Live Nation. Like the small venues yeah. in Los Angeles have been... And I feel like, and then I think people are getting sick of Spotify and the streaming. Yeah. I think, I hope, or at least on yeah. a creative, I feel like maybe mm. we're about to have a new subculture breakthrough yeah. where I think people are going to, you know, like you, I see it because there's like these cassette movements and then there's all these tiny mm. little labels and people releasing things on their own. And like I've mm -hmm. I've slowly started discovering these little labels that put things out or 
internet subcultures. And I'm like, something is percolating. I don't think it's, maybe I don't see what it is yet. And maybe it is out there, but I feel, and I feel like people are going to start doing more DIY venues and saying, fuck Ticketmaster and fuck these people. And we'll do shows in the yards. I think, and then something will sprout out of that. That's kind of how I feel. That's, yeah, I don't know if that was what you were asking about, but that's uh, yeah. that's what I'm hoping. But I feel like that's always happened. I mean, that's what Discord to some degree yeah. was, and some mm-hmm. Touch and Go was pretty much doing the same thing. Still does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I think you're. I think you're right. I feel. I don't know how to really name it, or I mean, but I do feel like a shift coming on, and may, it's probably been happening for a while. Uh, the phenomenon, it, this blows my mind of artists that have like a million monthly listeners that basically no one in popular culture has a clue who they are. Yeah. Um, like as before, I, if you had a million monthly listeners, I mean, I know it's a, it was a different time, but if you had like millions of people listening to you years ago, you were just like, you were it. Everyone knew you, you were a celebrity, you know, like now we have these pockets where you can like, you, you can be huge in this one realm. And then outside of that, no one has a clue, you know, and you can, you can have a career like that. And I, it's so I don't know. It's so weird to think about like that. You don't, I, I mean, before it was like, okay, you were Michael Jackson, you were, you were a Dino or whatever, you know, like you were like, you were huge. You were set, you were platinum, you were whatever. And now it's like, you can have listeners and people can actually hear your music and nobody has like, I'm blown away. Like I'll hear a song on a playlist and I'll go, Oh, okay. I'll check them out. And I'll think, in my mind, I always do this. I think, oh yeah, I bet they're just like they probably this is probably their first record. They're just starting out or what? I, I create this narrative, and then I go to their Spotify, and it's like, you know, four hundred thousand listeners, and they've got six records out, and I'm just like, what the hell? This is I I love it, but it just it's I don't know. It's like my mind is shedding all that old framework. But somehow I'm still surprised when there's, I don't know. It's like, why do you think I would learn? But I saw that, like, I was reading something about Elvis the other day, and it was like one of his last hits. It was like, it sold a million. And I was like, yeah. That's, I was like, today, that's like, Elvis would just probably be some obscure dude. (laughs) (laughs) I know, he'd be on a tape label. And that. And like I interviewed somebody recently and their like new single had like a million streams or something. And I was like, that's like a modern day hit. And she's like, I don't know. It's just a playlist. Somebody put it on a playlist. And so I'm like, does it mean anything? Does it mean, I don't know what it means anymore. I know. And you don't make fuck all from a million streams probably. Yeah. Which is. No, 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 not at all. Which I think is going to be. just the idea. Go ahead. No, I was just thinking that the, the pay situation on these that has to be like if no one would ever but if people if all the artists were just going to go fuck off we're all we're all we're out of spotify that would cause a shift but i mean you know yeah but i feel like people are going to get tired of this and now Bandcamp being owned by a fucking billionaire company like and yeah i just feel like 
something has to give or not. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, I feel like that too. I, I feel like if we're going to continue under the streaming model, artists have just got to be paid. I mean, th- this is ridiculous. We, I mean, I don't know what, what it's going to take, but like the, the point oh 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 one three, you know, per stream is just like, uh, I just, yeah. It's, bo- you, you want to think, yeah. I was just going to say the real kicker is, uh, Daniel Eck, owner of Spotify, wanted to yeah. be a musician. He's a failed musician. Doesn't that say everything? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get a doc- documentary made about streaming. I was like doing the research, and of course, it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. But I would just, that was yeah. one of the fascinating points. I was like, somebody probably said, you suck, and he probably did. And, uh, so he was like, I'll show mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I'll make all your money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, contrast that with remember when CDs were like $18? Oh, yeah. And I would sweat over it. I would sweat. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's so, it's so crazy to think about that, you know? And that was yeah. the other thing when people were all up, like about like uh, what it, the share the the what was the where people would go online and steal music, but I never like I still people still oh, made it. Yeah, yeah. I was always suspect because I was like, didn't we just make cassettes of records? I used to copy, record yeah. albums and give people cassettes all the time. Yeah. And I would still buy music. I would just go listen to it and make sure I wasn't going to blow 18 fucking dollars on an album that had one good song. That's all I wanted to know. Like you were saying earlier, I just wanted to know if I was getting fucked by the one song. Cause boy, does that suck yeah. when you would blow 18 bucks and then the whole album blows. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's bait and switch, man. Yeah. So basically now if you if you buy an album and you're surprised that you know that only has one good song on it that is on you because you <laughs> all you had to do was get on Spotify and and, and, and listen to 30 seconds of each song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I still buy. I still I maybe I'm rare but maybe I still want to support. I still want to buy people's yeah. music. I don't want to be a dick. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching like, oh yeah. Well, t-shirts are essentially how bands are. I mean, merch is the is the the golden ticket nowadays. Like, you're not you're basically not making any money unless you have merch, great merch line. Live and, Nation was I taking mean, a cut at those venues, which is just like. Remember when like, and I've pointed this out to younger folk. I was like, there used to be a time where the band would get a cut of the bar. <laughs> like, like where did that God. fucking shift go? Yeah. I, <laughs> I have no clue. I, um, there's an artist that I follow actually from Tennessee. Um, and they were saying yesterday that they played a venue and it wasn't a huge venue. Venue was wanting 20% of their merch. So they put out a sign that said, Hey, this is, um, 
this is the the policy of the venue. If you'd like to pay extra to make up for that, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. And then the venue said, no, you can't have that sign up. So they packed all their merch up. They played a sold out show. And then, you know, there's nothing to go to after the show. It's just like exit. Can't buy anything. Just, I mean, I, and I get it. Like, I, I mean, I wouldn't want, I mean, it's just so stupid. Like it's pure evil, but, but they were, yeah, it, it really is. I just, yeah, I'm glad I'm not dealing with that crap. <laughs> I mean, as a guy who, I, know, yeah. I used to manage a bar and I know what a bar can take in. Like, I know that that venue just on liquor sales alone, fuck the ticket sales, fuck everything. Oh, yeah. Liquor sales alone. They're in the black. For sure. It's insane. How, yeah. though, because all the incarnations of you, I've, I was listening to all your music this morning, and then how did yeah. Phones with, which, by the way, I have to side note, I love all you. Like, I, I, yeah. how did Phones with Chords come about? Because, and it's like a definite, like a sound different direction for you and the low fi yeah. which I love that album when I discovered that album solely because you liked a tweet of mine I was like oh and I went and listened <laughs> to the album and I was like hey this is fucking good I think I wrote, um, I DM'd you and said this yeah. much yeah yeah I, uh, by the way I, I really appreciate that like that that those kind of moments when people just reach out is just like gold to me so I really appreciate you doing that um yeah, so I did this la I did this big like Kickstarter thing for my like solo work. And I did like we I recorded with do you know the band Toad Toad the Wet Sprocket? Yeah. 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 So uh, two of the guys from Toad the Wet Sprocket and this guy, uh this producer I worked with before him, uh his name's Michael Blue. He's done like the his claim to fame is like Colby Clay, Colby Clay's first and second record, I think, that he did. So, I mean, he's like basically made a career on those first two albums of hers. But anyway, like I, during COVID, I reconnected with him and he was like, what if we got like the guys from Toad to like be your band and you did a record? And I was like, Okay, it's not <laughs> remotely what I was thinking, but sure. <laughs> and so we did it. I mean, it was kind of like a perfect moment in COVID, and I, I during the pandemic, and I was like, "Why not?" Um, you know, I was just like, "Yeah, let's do that." And so I did that, and it's it, but it was like a big ordeal with a Kickstarter and all that, and it was just it sucked the life out of me, and I by the time the record got out and everything, I was, I just thought, and this is nothing against Michael or the toe guys or anybody or whatever. I just, I just kind of thought to myself, like, I'm done with that. I'm done with that way of being, I don't want to do that cycle. And I don't want to like be in that mode of, of, uh, working as an artist. And so I just thought, I just want to, I just want to create. And so 
so I've, I've, I've had recording equipment in my house and I just haven't used it really. I mean, just maybe to do demos. And so I just thought, I want to learn how to do this. I want to, I want to, I just want to do it, do it my way, do what I want and not feel like, you know, I don't want to feel like the overhead is so high and I've got to like please people and all that. And two was like, what if I just started over as an artist, like with the, all the experiences that I've had and stuff, like what if, what would that look like if I just pushed restart on a career? And, um, so yeah, so I came up with the phones with cords thing. Cause I'm always demoing stuff on my phone, which everybody else is like, I'm, I'm like singing into my phone or like playing a guitar riff. And then I'll take that demo and flesh it out later. But sometimes I'll do like 10 of those a day. I mean, some of those don't end up anything, but some of them end up to be, you know, you know, full songs. But yeah, so I just started working at my house. At the time, I had a super shitty computer. <laughs> like, so bad. It would time out. So, like, it basically took me twice as long to make that record than it should have. Like, it was... I would be in the middle of a vocal take and it would time out. I'm like, but yeah, but it was, it was, it was what I needed. It was, it kind of got me in the door to realize, Oh, I can do this. And two is an exercise in trusting myself and not, um, not giving myself an agenda on what to write. So that like first record was just like, just, you know, like cutting the vein and letting it flow and just writing whatever was coming into mind. And it ended up being just like songs about kids that grew up kind of where I live in these small towns. Like I have a kind of a fascination with, uh, I don't know that, that desperation to want to get out of a small town. I just, I'm obsessed at that. I could write like, a thousand songs on that ache to want to be somewhere else. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started. And I, I just decided I was going to mix it myself. So I got on YouTube, how takes an album. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, not joking. I'm like, I have no clue really. Like I listened back to it. And I'm like, whoa, this probably needs to be remastered, but I'm just, I kind of wanted to just, just it to kind of be where I was at in, in the moment, not perfect. I mean, it sounds really lo-fi, but I, I feel like that's kind of its charm. You know, I fucking love it. Like I immediately, yeah. it, it hit the it's what i love like i love music like that yeah. and i yeah. i just like it's great and i so that's i'm gonna keep yeah. repeating that it's great but <laughs> yeah. but i just was like really excited and i was like this is like right up my alley i'm like how did i not discover this earlier and i, I was grateful i did learn about it yeah yeah, I, I I kind of feel like it was like I said it was like a a step in the door, and then once I got through the doorway, I realized, oh man, I can do this, and I I you know there's nothing stopping me. I don't have to do it um, the way that I've always been told that I was supposed to do it, 
And so this this new record that's going to come out in July, like I did, you know, exclusively at my house, and I I got a friend that I met on Twitter to mix it. But besides that, um, did everything, played everything. It's all on my computer, you know, and select. And I got a couple really like old guitars, just crappy guitars that I play and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, I just, it, it, it feels like me. And I think that was my struggle before is by the time that I, I would always write the songs, So I don't have control of the songs, but by the time that I got to the, like the production stage, you're kind of like you're, you're trading off and you're, uh, you're losing some of your vision, whether you realize it or not. And, and the producers kind of in a way putting their stamp onto your music and um, a lot of times I didn't have the confidence to, 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 you know, voice that kind of stuff. And so now I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going, it's, it's just all feel, all gut. Okay, does this feel right to me? That's the question. If I, if I can say yes, that's all that matters. How good does that fucking feel? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Somebody. 